0: Hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Timeline Astrology. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the south node of the moon called Ketu, K-E-T-U in Vedic Astrology. The south node of the moon shows where we've come from with lots of life experience, perhaps many lifetimes of experience, and on some level, though we're not conscious of it, we reject that thing. We've been there and done that so many times before that we not only fall into a default mode, that very familiar thing that we've always done but we also on some level want to move away from that. So we're always moving from somewhere and moving towards something. The south node shows where we're coming from, moving away from, while we're moving towards the north node. Whereas K2 is a part of us that wants to reject that thing that we've always done. And like I said, we can also fall into a default mode and slip back into familiar patterns with the south node. The South Node represents spirituality because in a spiritual sense, we have our cosmic roots and there is that part of our being which has always been there. So if you can think of that part of you, that witness self, that has always been there from the beginning, it's always witnessing your life as it's unfolding. So whatever age, at the age of five, the age of 10, right through your life, your experience of life has a... A witness self. That's Ketu, the South Node of the Moon. So it represents spirituality and spirits as well as ghosts. It represents foreign things just as the north node of the moon. It represents occult secret knowledge and kundalini shakti, which is the energy that seemed to be coiled around the base of the spine. And in fact, the south node of the moon is below the base of the spine. the Kundalini. It represents the infrared on the color spectrum which is not visible to our naked eye. So it represents again digging down deeper into your roots and past and beyond your roots and your patterns and patterns that you've been born with and want to uproot. So it also represents obstacles because of that because we have in a sense we're all born with this kind of deeply embedded and knotted uh, sense of having been there and done that many times before. And that is something that we need to unravel and uproot. So eventually we become more philosophical. And so K2 represents philosophy. K2 is said to be exalted in either Scorpio or Sagittarius, depends on who you listen to, and debilitated, therefore, in Taurus or Gemini. It is seen as strong in Pisces because Pisces is very much about spirituality. The natural 12th sign of the zodiac reflects the quality of the south node and spirituality very well. Cato represents the center from which everything moves. So in terms of a direction, it doesn't have a direction because it's your center. It's like the eye of a storm. It's that stillness at that center point. And so whether you're moving out from that point in any direction you move towards, I mentioned in other podcasts the directions that planets become strengthened. So if you move east from where you are, wherever you are, you're strengthening the sun. The sun rules the eastern direction. If you move west, you're strengthening Saturn. But k the south node, shows where you're coming from, your still center around which everything else is moving. So in another way you can think about it as the south node Ketu being your center and Rahu the north node being everything that's moving around the center, all the chaos, all the activity, all that desire, moving around that still point. From another spiritual point of view, K2 represents that void at your center, that sense of non-self. If you tap into that witness self, at the center, it's very much an experience, not something we can discuss or articulate even very well. So it's a spiritual experience, um, an awakening experience. Cato represents universality. So we all share this void. We all share the sense of emptiness, but a witness self beyond that also. We all have a sense that we're all in tune with that when we're in a In a spiritual experience, we all have this sense of being one with everything. So it's a very idealistic notion the South Node brings about. uh, But it's also very intuitive and it's probably the better aspect of the South Node. Because the other more negative aspects of the South Node can be very impulsive and even violent. Ketu is very much likened to Mars in many ways. So it's very impulsive and more extreme even than Mars. So, k two represents people who will blow themselves up for a belief because they're not thinking the North node of the moon, while representing the head in Vedic myth that was separated from the body, the south node is just the body, no head, so there's an impulsivity about it um again, you can tap into something deeper than what you're thinking, you can feel into something, you can sense something. But you also can have this situation where people don't think. So Ketu is seen as fiery, as I said, like Mars. Um, And although Parashur describes Ketu just as it does Rahu, by most Vedic astrology accounts, it is associated with Mars and is Mars-like. It also rules Scorpio along with Mars. So it's seen as having a reddish appearance. But Ketu also shows a distortion of Mars, of fire. And it can also show a lack of perception because fire, the element of fire, corresponds to the uh, sense of sight and perception and clarity. And so it can also distort that because remember that the nodes are the eclipse points, so they distort our perceptions. But K2 can equally distort and clarify things. So both nodes also can cause illnesses that are difficult to treat because they're outside of the color spectrum. Infrared for south node, ultraviolet for the north node above the crown chakra. So it's very much outside of our awareness also. So, i.e. the shadow self. So anything that you've rejected in yourself from the past, the K2 side of the equation, or anything that you've unintegrated in the future or, um, developed too soon to integrate fully is the north node either of those shadow aspects um, are represented by the nodes so the antidote um, a good antidote for Ketu is the sun because it removes the darkness of Ketu the eclipse of Ketu mantras that are good for Ketu one simple mantra is Om Namah Ketave and the deity the primary deity for Ketu is Ganesha Ganesha is the remover of obstacles. So again, K2 can actually place the obstacles in our way, but also remove them. So K2 gemstones, though I would um, caution their use. um, The K2 gemstone is the cat's eye and it's traditionally worn in gold and worn on the right hand, middle or ring finger to strengthen it. But again, caution would be advised here in in strengthening the notes, especially if they're not already activated in your chart. The color for K2 is actually multicolored though, it's it's some sort of um, elaborate design or something that looks unusual, quite um, out there, outrageous. Um, K2 is quite outrageous. So one of the main um, issues with Ketu are these blocks that we can experience, these obstacles, and which is why Ganesha is very much the deity to worship, to remove blocks. So a good uh, practice before doing anything, um, especially in terms of a spiritual practice, is to chant for Ganesha. So a very simple chant for Ganesh is Om Gam Ganapataye Nama. Um, the Gum Mantra, the beach Mantra of Ganesh can be chanted and repeated over and over, just chanting Gum, 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 Gum. Or you can chant the whole mantra Om, Gum, Ganapati, Nama. Namah. Um, and it's a good mantra to begin any activity that you're about to get stuck into. Um, but again, especially any spiritual practice and any other mantras that you m- might chant subsequently. So, the life lesson ultimately of k two is to surrender, and surrendering isn't something that we really choose to do. It's something where we're experiencing a sense of um surrender. We're brought to that experience, and sometimes it's a difficult experience with k two because it can sometimes um express itself through a loss of things, it's a loss of material comforts, a loss of something in our life and ultimately it's pointing towards something beyond this life and unless and until we are more spiritually orientated k2 can be quite difficult but when we are spiritually orientated and we can choose to be we can develop practices or just a sense of being more spiritually orientated the more we do that the more positive a k2 experience can be and very peaceful Um, Again, it's that I at the center of a storm, your center of being. So one of the practices that I think is really useful in a K2 cycle or transit is to practice what is called the headless way. This is something I came across many years ago when I was in a K2 cycle myself. And the website you can access for these what are called experiments to experience this sense of self beyond all of the selves we develop in life is headless.org. So that website is a good gateway into these um, very simple experiences of being headless, because if you actually think about it, we cannot see our own head. Um, and the philosopher Douglas Harding, who was the the first to write about this and, and write about these experiments and they're very simple you just s- simply experience yourself as being headless because you cannot see looking out from your uh, vision you cannot see your head you can look down and see your body your feet your legs your arms your torso but you cannot see your own head from your perspective you are headless and so that. Part of your being is replaced by everything else, the world. If you look down and see your whole body and then you look forward to see where your head is. In fact, your head is no longer there. The world is there. So everything that you're experiencing in the world, all the chaos in the world also, but all the great stuff in the world fills this void at where your head is at or should be at because you can't see it. So it's a very profound experience, yet a very simple experience and one that many just uh, don't get because it's so simple. Um, There's no effort involved in in this realization. So I would highly recommend going to that website, headless.org and trying out the experiments to see or not see, as the case may be, for yourself. And ultimately by seeing, by surrendering, completely surrendering, We start to open ourselves up to a higher knowledge, a higher perception of ourself, a different perspective, a witness self behind looking at our life as it unfolds. And by having that perspective, we are more anchored in something that is permanent, that is always there. You you may want to call it spirit, soul, whatever you call it, the witness self, the non-self, whatever you want to call it, that part of your being that's always been there and that always will be there when we're grounded in that and rooted in that, it's just a more fulfilling experience, first of all, no matter what you experience, the highs and lows of life, but also you're more grounded and anchored when there's chaos and change all around. And I would highlight the fact that, you know, during these years, 2019 and 2020 there is so much change happening with the transits and the world is in a major upheaval and unless we're more spiritually orientated and anchored in that sense of self or non-self we can just get lost in the chaos of it all so imagine this center of self this still point at the center of all the chaos and tune into that more and more during these times of upheaval and it would help you in achieving more peace more calm while you go on and experience all the thrills and spills and all the changes of life. So there are my thoughts on K2, the south node of the moon. I hope this helps and I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time.